0: bring you Christian greetings, wish all of you a Happy New Year. I don't know if that thought has, if you've thought a lot about that, probably have. It's an expression we hear repeatedly, repeatedly this time of the year. What actually makes a Happy New Year? I say in chapter 41, verse 4, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. title of my meditation this morning is From Generations to Generations. This verse here in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4, uh, is a verse that has held my attention uh, since December, our Sunday school lessons were taken in December from the book of Isaiah, and I don't think it was actually in the, in the suggested readings for the lessons, but uh, in reading uh, around in Isaiah uh, in regards to the Sunday school lessons in December, I, I crossed over this verse, and it's, I don't know if you ever had that happen, there's a verse sometimes just jumps out at you and it grabs you, and uh, this was one of those verses for me, it, uh, it just held my attention, and uh, the truth of it, the power of it, the impact of it uh, says so much about who God really is. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. So I thought about that in relation to, uh, as we stand on the threshold of a new year, you know, what changes will this year bring you can think of changes personally. You can think of changes as a family. Uh, we just had a new grandson added to our family. I mentioned uh, last Sunday that my father was 93. You know, that's a span of generations. And uh, God says, you know, we look at generations, and uh, God says, I am the first and with the last. I am he. God is, is capable of meeting the needs of all the generations of, of time. And uh, so there's personal changes in our lives, there's family changes in our lives, there's changes congregationally, and there's also changes in the community. These four spheres, as you think of those four spheres in our, in our lives probably impact us by importance the way I lived, listed them. First of all, personally, family, congregationally, and community. Uh, those four spheres all mesh together, and, and like gears, uh, we, 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 we passed through generations of time and there's changes take place, you know, we could just flip back and, and project on this wall behind me a picture of this congregation 25 years ago. We'd probably all be humored. Uh, but could we project forward 25 years? What would it look like? Would we all be humored? Uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, to God, God knows. God knows what that'll look like 25 years from now. And he remembers exactly what it looked like 25 years past. And he knows what it looks like today. One of the questions I ask myself is, you know, where is our focus in these changes? And, you know, if we get to, if we focus on, on the changes themselves, they probably sometimes distract us and uh, terrorize us, or sometimes maybe we welcome them. Um, but, you know, I think our focus, as we think of changes, need to be on the one that, talk, that he talks about himself there in verse 4 through Isaiah. He says... Calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he, and if our focus is on on him, who he is, you know that gives us something to stabilize us and anchor our our lives through our worlds in those different spheres as we go through those changes of life. Mm-hmm. I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he, <laughs> as I thought about generations from generations to generations, I, I looked behind me on my bookshelf there and I, I probably mentioned this before, but I have a, a Zimmerman genealogy relation book, and it's, it's the size of a Strong's Concordance. And I just pulled that off the shelf, and there's uh, 12 generations listed in there from 1771 through 1960. No, I'm sorry, from 1720 through 1988. And there's 12,000-some families listed in that book. And I thought, you know, how many of those people do I really know? Uh, probably only a fraction of a percent if I leave through them pages there's, there's only a fraction of a percent of the people that I would know in that book but God knows them all he knew them intimately and uh, the smaller book, Nolt family from 1771 to 1969 uh, only 3700 families in that book, a lot smaller but uh, again I'd only know a fraction of those people and uh but yet i'm a I'm a link in those generations. You are a link in those generations, and that's not so important to be all of us have genealogy. We go back and I know some people say, well, they'd rather not know uh, they're afraid of some of the ghosts that are in the closets of those families in the past. Well, be that as it may uh you know it's really what matters is if our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. that's the important thing and uh you know, we can get all wrapped up in genealogy it's it's not uh... it, it doesn't buys you know get us into heaven but uh... we certainly are appreciative to uh... to uh... the things we've been taught <clears throat> this morning we're assembled as a multi-generational group uh... probably four generations spanning from eighty three years i think uh, delvin's little one's not here this morning but that'd be probably two weeks I don't know who the next youngest would be. In the audience, would it be Gary's? I'm not even seeing Gary's. over here. <laughs> who is the next youngest? Who was the last one born before uh, Declan? I think it was Gary's. Okay. Mike, I mean, I'm yep, I'm sorry, Mike is. No wonder nobody's looking. Gary's looking down and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, but uh, as a multi-generational congregation, here we are this morning. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's good that we assemble in that way. Uh, it's a blessing, and uh, I hope it will continue to be that way. Well, I've, in looking at this chapter in Isaiah chapter 41, there are five things listed that I think will make your new year a happy new year. And I want, to, I want to read through uh, chapter 41 through verse uh, 20. I say 41, keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? He gave them as the dust to the sword, and as the driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling to generations from the beginning? I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The Isle the Isle saw and feared The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near, and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed with the hammer, him that smoothed the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen the seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant; I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee; yea, I will help thee; yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incest against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they shall strive with thee, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them. And shalt not find them, even them, that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains, and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord, and thou shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and the needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places, and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shittim tree, and the myrtle, and the oil tree, and I will set in the desert the fir tree, and the pine, and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. The first thing I'd like to uh, draw your attention to is, in verse 1, as we think of of having a, a happy new year, is the fact that Keep silence before me. Let God speak and we listen. You know, that to me is a key of of, of understanding God's will for my life, for your life. uh, It says there in verse 1, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. God may not speak immediately. We need to keep silence. Standing still and listening on our part many times takes strength and uh, I wonder sometimes in my own experience if I'm not so busy giving God multiple choices you know we like multiple choices because we, we're, we're limited then to our abilities but sometimes we, do, we try and work that with God we give him okay if this doesn't work then let's do this and this and this and we give him a multiple, multiple choice of things to choose from where we think it has to be within that box well God sometimes, God many times doesn't work that way he has something far better in mind but uh, I'm saying that from my own confession that many times we give God multiple choice answers of what we think he should answer us and if it isn't this it has to be this and if it isn't this it has to be that one well it doesn't tell us that it says just simply keep silence before the Lord and let him answer in his own time in his own way and we will experience happiness as we have never experienced before it also goes on to say uh You know, and we do not have all the answers. We don't have the answers, but God has the answers. Uh, God knows our beginning from the end. And we've seen that in our text verse there. From the beginning to the last. He knows what he wants to accomplish with our lives. He knows what he wants to accomplish with your lives. Uh, The key to uh, listening to the Lord, being still and silent, it, it... the, the result will be and let the people renew their strength are you feeling weak spiritually physically I believe the answer is to keep silence before the Lord you know in the new year I don't know what tasks you will encounter uh, physically spiritually but we need to get our strength renewed from God how do you build your spiritual strength this morning well first of all I think it's from listening to the, to the Lord waiting on the Lord uh, it means feeding on his word uh, it means uh, through diet. What am I feeding myself with? Am I feeding myself on the word of God? I believe it's through the guidance of his Holy Spirit. God can, God can uh, renew our strength through the guidance of his Holy Spirit. And then I believe it's also through the fellowship of believers. This time together as, as believers in God, fellowshipping and sharing together around his word. But again, being before God is the key collectively personally uh and allowing his spirit to speak to us through his word uh, is the key to renewing our strength then it says he invites us he says and dwight mentioned that in the opening about uh david longing to dwell in the in the in the temple of the lord and, and god wanting to dwell with us you know here we have that repeated there it says let us come near together god wants to come near to us for communion and for fellowship uh Am I nearer to God than I was a year ago? Do you and I feel God's presence in our lives today? You know, we've all heard the quote, if God seems far away, you know, guess who moved? I need to inventory my life. Where am I at in my relationship to him? Do I sense his presence near to me daily? Um, If my focus is on the changing sands of time, rather than my focus on the one who says in verse 4, I am he, it will likely have a uh, disconcerting uh, effect on my life. What am I focusing on? Can we experience true happiness by allowing God to speak to us? The second thing is, in verses 2 through 5, we notice that God is in control of all of the circumstances. Ryan, let that song uh, between the Sunday school and the uh, message here, um, verses two through five: Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him? Who's it talking about there? Well, I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Bible commentators some think he's talking about Abraham, perhaps. I, I would believe that could be true. Uh, Some say it could be talking about King Cyrus, who allowed God to use him in bringing the children of Israel back from captivity to Jerusalem again. Uh, I'd be probably more inclined to think maybe it was Abraham. I'm not sure. Uh, But Bible scholars say it could be either. But to me, it's immaterial who it is. The fact is that God is in control of all of the circumstances that we will encounter in 2014. Uh, as I thought about circumstances, you know, you know, those are the things that take place around us, circumstances. Circum means around uh, those things that position themselves around us. Uh, can I control the circumstances that are around me? Uh, to some degree I can. You know, if I want to do drugs and smoke and drink, you know, and, and I suffer the consequences of an abused body because of this, you know, I, I, I can make that choice. You, free, as creatures of free choice, we can do things that we will, we can control those circumstances to a certain degree. But there are, you know, what percent of the circumstances can I control? Probably of all, Probably a small percentage of them. There are things that are so totally out of our control in our lives, around our lives, the circumstances that are around us that we have to work with day to day that maybe they're they are out of our control that's my way of, of thinking about it I'm in small I'm in control of only a small percentage of the circumstances but it's 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 consoling to me to think this morning and I hope it's consoling to you is that you and I can control how I relate to those circumstances to me I think that's the key we may not control those circumstances that are around us. The country we live in—oh, we could move to another country, sure—but you know that other country would have unique circumstances too. Maybe from a different angle, different perspective. Uh, I think, to me, the key to relating to those circumstances is how I think and relate to those circumstances. You know, where is my focus? You know, circumstances can make me bitter, or they can make me sweet they can make me weak or they can make me strong and it all has to do how I think about them Uh, the conflicts of life someone has said the conflicts of life are fought and won or lost in the battlefield of our minds and I think that's so true we can we can struggle we can fight we can resist but you know when we when we look beyond the circumstances to the God of the circumstances you know those circumstances God brings them many times into our lives for purposes and for reasons And I need to look beyond those circumstances and see what God is is attempting and trying to work in my life and my experience. So I'm I'm refreshed this morning. As I look at the verses 2 through 5, it talks about God overruling the kings and giving them as a dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them, passed safely even by the way that he had not gone with his feet, who hath wrought it and done it. Well the God. He says, I am He. I have done that. God is in control of all of those circumstances around us this morning. Two thousand fourteen, I don't know what circumstances you will encounter personally, but focus on God. He's in control of those circumstances. Can we be happy in our circumstances? I think we can if our focus is on God. Number three. Verse 6, let's make 2014 a year to be an encourager. You know, there's enough of, uh, uh, I was impressed as I looked at verse 6, they helped one, and they helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, be of good courage, the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed with the hammer, and he that smoothed the anvil, saying, you know, let's make 2014 a year to be an encourager. You know, where, you know what that does when I encourage someone else? It takes the focus off of myself and puts it on the other person and I receive a blessing for that Uh, so we're in this together okay? families, churches, communities we need to remember to be of good courage and to encourage one another you know we sometimes talk about uh, our culture as being a consumer culture Uh, and what we mean by that is we uh, we, we consume a lot of goods <laughs> and we, we have a lot of revenue going through our fingers we buy and we sell and uh, I was impressed as I thought about that you know am I a consumer or am I a contributor uh, well we need to be contributors for sure we can't just consume um, you know, basically the consumer age is, a, is, a, is, a, is an age that's simply selfish. You know, consume it upon yourself. The more you can get, the more you can buy, the more you can enjoy. But you know, I believe God created us to be contributors. He wants us to give. He wants us to be encouragers. And uh, in our homes, in our churches, in our communities. Uh, you know, God hasn't entrusted to just any one person the talents or the power to be totally independent of all others. We all need someone else. And we need the encouragement of others. Um well, what shall we say as to the frequency? How often should we be encouraging one another? Well, sometimes it isn't just simply in words. Sometimes it's maybe just simply a handshake, maybe a smile. But I think verbally it's important too uh, and I, I don't know where, we, where you want to start at with this shall we say once a month encourage somebody is that being uh, uh, starting low enough well maybe once a week maybe once a day uh, you know I'm not going to tell you where you need to start I'm going to let that between you and the Lord because you know where you're at and some of us probably it comes out easier than it does others Uh, But it's something we need to all work on. Uh, You know, in verse 9, it tells us, uh, we are created in God's image. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, thou art my servant. I I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. God is expecting us to be a channel of encouragement, a servant through which we can encourage one another. I'd like to read a column uh, from uh, a periodical that I received uh, at home here. I was impressed with the way it, she wrote it here. You know, as so I thought about finding it, it's entitled Finding Answers in God's uh, Book. And uh, it's talking about the idea of, of uh, creation and uh, the way we relate to each other in society. Um, She says artists, writers, composers, preachers, carpenters, whoever you are, you know, we start with with, with blank sheets or raw wood or material. And then we craft it into something that is, you know, we have a picture in our mind of what we think it's going to look like or where we want to end up at breaking in here in the article I'll not read the entire article but it says there seems to be a connection between creating and sharing god sharing god took satisfaction in his work and i'm sure he enjoys it again when we appreciate what he has done gratitude plays such a big part in satisfaction all humans need to have someone be appreciative of our creative works I wonder if much of the dissatisfaction and and emotional illnesses in our society comes from the lack of creativity or rather the lack of using the creative abilities that we all have. I would venture to say the more we are consumers instead of creators, the more frustrated we become. We need to be able to express ourselves and allow ourselves to create. It is definitely easier to sit in front of or use our mobile devices and enjoy what someone else has done rather than to use the energy to create something of our own. The creation story has other principles that apply to our lives, referring back to Genesis. God's crowning glory was the creation of Adam and Eve. God created them after his image. What does that really mean? If humans are in the image of God, they are like him. We have his attributes and div- attributes and divine potential. That means we have limitless possibilities. Of course, we are mortal and subject to the frailties of the flesh. But, if we are in the image of God, we can accomplish much more than we allow ourselves to imagine. We have to tap into God. To the God-given powers of creation, we must allow ourselves to think bigger and use our creativity to become all that we were intended to be. God gave Adam and Eve dominion over all his creation, dominion means to govern and to have authority over something. Governing and taking care of the earth is a big job for two people, but God didn't think so. He expected them to grow in capacity and power. Even today, he expects great things from his children. He expects us to be producers and caretakers and creators, each one of us has talents and God-given abilities that we can use to bless the lives of others. We have a divine mission to perform. How do we know what that mission is? We can live day to day, wondering and trying different avenues. Trial and error is effective, but it takes forever. There's a better way. Reading the scripture and praying are much more effective in discovering our divine potential and our mission in life. God knows us. He answers prayers. He has promised that if we ask, we shall receive. It isn't enough to just read the scriptures. Deeper meaning only comes out with deeper reading and pondering. We must ask questions, be willing to listen for the answers. Prayer is a two-way communication process. It isn't a grocery list kind of prayer, give me this and give me that. It's a father to son or daughter conversation. Questions like, what are my talents? How can I use them to create something of value that will bless others? Where do you want me to serve today? What does this scripture mean? How does it apply to me? These questions are effective, but it isn't good enough just to ask. Listen for the answer. Answers will come into our mind, and if you act on those answers, God will lead you gradually and steadily to your potential. Be ready to give up a few things of the world and to do more than you ever thought that you could. And I thought that was putting it in good perspective. As you think of of God using the potential that is here this morning in our lives, uh, if we're willing to listen to what he wants to do with us. Well, the fourth uh, point that I see here in, in experiencing happiness, notice in, uh, in verses 10 through 16, I don't know, as I read through there, did you notice there's uh, at least three, fear thou not, and fear not, fear not. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in, in our world today, and uh, uncertainties abound. I can't, we can't deny that. We can't get away from it. Uh, But you know, does that have a paralyzing fear in our lives? I don't think it has to. I like to just point to the positive things that God says in those verses here. Verses 10 through 16. He says, I am with thee. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will hold thy right hand. You know, what promises God is making to those that uh, will simply come to him? and fear doesn't have to be a part of our experience fear doesn't have to be paralyzing to us as we follow and serve him it wasn't and that's what Isaiah was, was, was driving home to the children of Israel there, is, there doesn't have to be fear in their relationship and there doesn't have to be fear in our relationship as well perfect love John tells us casts out fear 2014 uncertainties sure there'll be some uncertainties and they will probably continue to abound and multiply but again where is our focus our focus needs to be on him who told us not to fear well the fifth point as i think of making this year a happy new year uh, notice verse 17 through 20 i was impressed as i looked at verse 17 when the poor and the needy seek water there's none the tongue faileth for thirst you you think of all the calamities that are abounding throughout the world today the hungry the thirsty the poor the refugees Uh, God will hear in 2014 God is waiting to hear from us God will hear from anyone who cries and calls to him notice it says uh, see and know and consider and understand that God hath created it uh, verse 20 is the conclusion of that thought it says that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this and the Holy One of Israel hath created it we, God is still on the throne in 2014 and we can be happy because of that it's his creation it's his world, it's his timing from generation to generation God is in control there's another article I want to read from that same author as it relates to uh, as we think of New Year's resolutions I'd like you to focus rather on the five points of letting letting God speak and we listening and uh, the second point is that uh, uh, focusing on God rather than the circumstances that are around us and the third one is be an encourager to someone taking our focus off ourselves and rather on others And verse 4, the uncertainties, uh, the uh, hope of not having to fear, and then also that God will continue to hear us in 2014. I'm not sure where I should break in on this article. Um, I appreciate it. uh, I'll break in here. It says, every year I would promise myself that I would look like her, and this is a lady writing this. She had... I would look like her by the end of the year. I would run my miles and do my stretches and try the newest diet plan. I'd go to the scales and take an evaluation in the mirror and ask, "Am I closer to the fairest one of all?" Of course, the answer was no. You've got too much fluff here and an overabundance there. I would go back to the resolution board and write more goals and punish myself for not reaching my goal. Many years, many tears were shed in worshiping an idol that was truly a figment of someone's imagination. Today, as I sit in the grandma chair. I am glad for the fluff. I'm soft and snuggly to the grandchildren. The wrinkles on my face are those that I have earned by the life that I have lived. The smile lines tell of happy memories I have stored in my heart. The frown lines are those that came with hurt and facing adversity with courage. Life is not easy all of the time. And at least I have something to show for my struggle. God, get a facelift, not on your life. I am who I am, and I thank God every day that he has given me the experiences that have made me who I am. My New Year's resolution is simple. I want to be more of who I am, and there is only one of me, and I want to be the very best of what God wants me to be. For many years, I've had an I want list in the back of my mind. And uh, in the years past, I've always wanted to be someone amazing. I wanted to accomplish something great in my life. I wanted people to notice that I was someone special. As I grew older, I realized that praise is very fickle. People often compliment you for a job well done and turn around and tell their neighbors that you perform poorly. I also learned that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One person might think you did a great job, but a scholar on the subject might find a dozen faults. I realized that the praise of my fellows didn't really mean anything, but a pat on the back from the Lord was really what I wanted and was worth it all. I needed that sweet confirmation from His Holy Spirit to tell me I had done well in His sight. His love would wash over me in a very personal way, and joy would fill my heart and soul with gladness, and I knew that He approved. I would like to say that happened daily, but sadly I have done too much of my own thing without asking His divine approval. The longer I live, the less I want to do my own thing, and the more I want to give the Lord what He wants that is not always easy. That takes asking and listening. That takes being willing to abandon every selfish desire in favor of his will. Every choice has a sacrifice hidden inside. You give up something in order to accomplish something else. For example, and she's a teacher, when I teach school, I give up hours that I could write. When I spend time Uh, doing personal things i give up the time that i could use to create something to benefit someone else it's also it's all so intertwined if i choose to serve my selfish desires i have little time to serve the lord and she quotes the song that we have in our uh hymn book that i'm going to ask ryan to uh lead us i think it's uh 431 it may not be on the mountain's height or over the stormy sea it may not be at the battle's front my lord will have need of me But if by a still, small voice he calls to paths that I do not know, I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in thine, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountains or plains or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. Perhaps today there are loving words which Jesus would have me speak. There may be now in the paths of sin some wonder whom I should seek. O Savior, thou wilt be my guide through dark and rugged the way. My voice shall echo thy message sweet. I'll say what you want me to say. There's surely somewhere a lowly place in earth's harvest field so wide where I may labor through life's shortest day for Jesus the crucified. So trusting my all to thy tender care and knowing thou lovest me, I'll do thy will with heart sincere. I'll be what you want me to be. And that's a good place to end, I think, as we focus on the... Th- So we focus on this new year that we be more of what God wants us to be and allow God to effectively use us as workers in his kingdom.